Standby. Hello, this is Penn Jillette. The possibility exists that if I were to actually listen to the lackadaisical Librocubicularist podcast featuring host Jordan Maywood, I would potentially enjoy it. A ringing endorsement. Potentially enjoy this episode, which will start after the other half of my magical comedy duo, Teller, gives us a countdown. Take it away, Teller. Hello. Welcome to the LibroCube. Uh, my name is Jordan Maywood, and I am the Lackadaisical LibroCubicalist. That's who I am. Today, my friends, is Movie Monday. Move over, Monday. Because we got to fit some movies in, specifically four, and then another four. Let me explain. But before I do explain, I should finish my startup show preamble by saying that there will be spoilers. I should say that because there will be spoilers. So, this is likely your one and only spoiler warning, so please take heed of it. I have an abundance of heed, so take as much as you need of my heed. Uh, another thing I like to say is that if you like what you hear, the only payment I ask is a million dollars. No, that is ridiculous. The only payment I ask is perhaps you pass the podcast on to a friend. Perhaps you rate, subscribe, and comment within iTunes, as that is what helps podcasts grow in flourish, flourish, flourish. That, I think, will take us into the business portion of the program, which is today's sponsor, which is the Harry Potter Enlarge Cascococcus Wand Dildo. Once again, today's sponsor is the Harry Potter Enlarge Cascococcus Wand Dildo. Thank you for that, for sponsoring this very special two-part episode. I don't know if I've ever done a two-part episode. Maybe I have. Mm, I kind of don't think I have, but maybe I have. Let's just say, perhaps I have, but the odds that I have are unlikely for the reason that I do not remember doing it, and I probably would remember, but maybe I have. Oh my god, let's just goddamn move on. If you cannot guess, or have not for some reason read the description of this episode, this is part one of my uh, watching of every single Harry Potter movie, because I figured it was time to finally do so. The missus went on a cruise. Pretty nice for her. So while she was away, uh, I needed things to keep me entertained, because normally that is her job. So one of them was uh, I borrowed from my sister-in-law. Thank you very much, Jen. Uh, The entire Harry Potter series, so I figured I would finally get down to watching it, because um, normally after work, I hang out with the missus, and we kind of watch what she wants to watch, for the most part. So uh, this was the perfect opportunity for me to uh, get her done, as they say in the Harry Potter series. No, they don't say that. But it would be funny if Harry Potter was like Larry the Cable Guy and kept saying, get her done. <laughs> That'd be Because there are eight movies, yes, eight of them, uh, I decided I would do four and four per episode that I will 
post uh, two Mondays back-to-back, that sort of idea. So that is what's going to happen. That's all the behind-the-scenes action. Now you know where we is, so I think it's wise of me to hop into the first Harry Potter movie, which is Harry Potter colon. Is there a colon? No, there's not a colon. Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. Mm. Uh, I think I might have a little difficulty doing this just because when you watch eight movies within a series over the course of, uh, I guess it's been five days <laughs> or, or something. Yeah, I think it's been five days and I've watched eight Harry Potter movies. They tend to, I do believe, meld together in your brain a little bit, a little bit. So this might be harder than I thought it would be, but let's see. Uh, this is the obviously the first in the series, so it's giving you Harry Potter's backstory, which is that he is an orphan, a young orphan boy, who is living with a horrible, horrible family who treat him like garbage. Until one day, we find out that uh, he has, you know, magical abilities and stuff. Yay! He's, as Hagrid would say, you're a wizard, Harry. Which means he has earned the right to attend Hogwarts School of Magic and Wizardry and and blowjobs. No, that's I added the third one there. So it looks like things are finally turning around for young Harry Potter. He gets uh, away from this horrible family. He does learn, or start to learn, and over the course of all of these movies learn a bit about his family and how they were moited. Moited most foul. Again, this is kind of difficult for me because I don't remember if it was in this movie specifically that he learns they were killed by an evil wizard. An evil wizard, he who shall not be named. His name's Voldemort, though. Yep. Uh, an evil wizard who, when trying to kill Harry Potter, ended up somehow, some way, killing himself, basically. Yeah, so that's kind of your, your, your overreaching under belly of this story as a whole. Harry meets up with Ron Weasley, who ends up being his, his bud throughout the course of these movies, as well as Hermione Granger, who ends up being also buds. And seemingly he never cares that it turns romantic between them, but come on. Come on. So uh, it's a good uh, it's a good dynamic these these three working together over the course of these eight movies and I uh, I like their their interactions with one another uh, I think it's going to be hard for me to rate these movies yeah just because they've all bled together in my brain pretty good I'd say I think what I can do fairly safely so far is to give the movies. An average of three to four out of five. Three, I like to use for enjoyed while watching, but probably wouldn't watch again. And that probably holds true for most of these Harry Potter movies. I don't think now that I've seen them, I would ever really need to rewatch them. But there's definitely some four moments. Maybe it's been some cool five moments. So I did, I did like them. There's, there's no denying that. So why don't I just give the movies as a whole, uh, three, four, and five. Yeah? Confusing? Convoluted? That is just the sort of rating you have come to expect. Uh, 
the Philosopher's Stone in question in this movie means we're going to have a little quest. And that's sort of a, a kind of a theme throughout, is that something will happen, and Hermione, Ron, and Harry will need to get their quest on in order to complete a task or get an object or, or anything, really. And uh, I've mentioned this innumerable times on the podcast, that I love a good quest, which is, I think, the reason that I like these movies as much as I do. Quest for the stone, a quest against a three-headed dog, a quest to play chess, a chess quest, yeah, the giant snake fights, you got your uh, all good things, basically. This uh, movie also introduces the game of Quidditch, which, uh, if you know anything of Harry Potter, this is probably something you know of it, which is where they ride around on flying broomsticks and play a kind of soccer-y, basketball-y, flying-on-broomstick-y game. Which, uh, one thing that always seems strange to me about this game is that you'd think there'd be a lot more deaths. <laughs> it's like uh, the fact that they're flying very, very fast, high above the ground, and they're not tied. That, that, that's one of the strange things. They're not wearing helmets. They're not wearing any sort of protective clothing. They're not at all strapped down to these broomsticks. That would seem to me to be number one safety feature, is that if you fall off your broomstick, you're still sort of tied on with a sort of lanyard or something. Come on. This is ridiculous. You have your sorting hat. Uh-huh. Various magics. The sorting hat sorts you into which group within the school you're going to be a member of. And, you know, it's a, it's a fantasy movie. Mm-hmm. Moving on to... <laughs> Harry Potter, and the Chamber of Secrets, which is, uh, I've heard (laughs) quite a few times, the Chamber of Secrets uh, used to refer to a lady's private parts, a.k.a. da pussy, which always amuses me, the Chamber of Secrets. Uh, I made myself a little note here that this movie is two hours and 44 minutes long, and I, I think the reason I had that note, is like every single one of these movies is around the two and a half hour mark, two and a half plus hour mark in some cases, and that I think is too long. I feel like I'm Leonard Maltin, because he says that at anything over an hour and a half, pretty much, and uh, I, I think they could have boiled these down a little more than they are. I understand it's hard when it's coming from a book, because the book has so much detail to, to sort it to sort it out and boil it down into a movie, but two hours and 40 minutes is, it's a long time. So this is their second year of school, and uh, that's kind of a theme throughout, that each movie is the the year after the one previous, that sort of idea, most of the time. This one, you got some snakes, uh, Harry Potter can talk to snakes, which uh, may mean that he's evil, maybe, I don't know, you'll just have to wait and see. He finds an uh, email, (laughs) he finds a diary that he can write in, and then responses come back. It's almost like a tablet with email, but magical. This one has a house elf named Dobby. I don't really get the whole house elf scenario. Apparently they are slaves to humans. Uh, Slaves, unless said humans give the elves an article of clothing and then that will mean the elf is then free. Very, very strange. Like, is that something J.K. totally made up? 
or is that any basis in any myths or anything? And these elves don't really look like any elves you've ever seen before, so I don't know. Do you really need to call them elves at that point, when they're so far removed from a sort of Tolkien-esque elf? I like him, though. He's trying to save Harry Potter throughout, but doing it in manners that are very, very dangerous. This, uh, this movie takes us into the Forbidden Forest. And didn't this come up... What did this come up in? In my talk of, uh, sort of coincidentally, our talk of, uh, on a movie Monday, may have even been the last one, of The Hobbit, The Desolation of Smaug, where, uh, I'd like a good, or rather bad, forest, like an evil forest. Uh, and cool things always seem to happen in forests where there's sort of an evil presence, they're murky, there's evil things that lurk within. Uh, that's always a good scenario to have in a fantasy anything is an evil forest. This forest has spiders, giant spiders, which, um, <laughs> sort of thinking a little bit back to Desolation of Smoke, in which it had, Smoke, in which it had a evil forest with giant spiders. Okay, so not stealing too much. Jesus, JK. Let's just call it borrowing. Cut her some slack, I guess. Got some centaurs. Centaurs are always sort of a very uh, proud race. Uh, honorable warriors. They're kind of like the uh, Klingons of the sci-fi world. Or rather, the Klingons are the centaurs of the sci-fi world. What? No, painted. What? You know what I'm trying to say. Klingons and centaurs, very, very similar in nature. So, I like them. Both of them. We've got a phoenix uh, fight with a basilisk, which is a giant turn-you-to-stone snake. And this uh, also, like the first movie, introduces a new professor of the dark arts. Hmm, interesting. In the, fame of, in the form of a guy named Gilderoy. Who's like kind of a, a pompous ass, I think, is a way you could describe him. <laughs> this introduces an interesting idea that Dumbledore should repeatedly be fired from his post. Because it seems that every time he hires a, uh, a wizard to teach this particular class, the wizard ends up being evil. Which means he is not a very good judge of um, people. At the very least, he should turn over the hiring of people to perhaps someone else. Because he is horrible at it. For such a very old, wise, and respected wizard, he's got the whole long beard and everything, uh, horrible at hiring teachers. Yeah. Okay, so uh, that's two movies down, I suppose, which means, on the drive home, I will have two more movies... Because I have several seconds before I get to work, I would love to hear from you regarding the Harry Potter movies. Perhaps let me know uh, who your favorite character is, which is the favorite movie in the series, and what I might do if you let me know before I record episode two of this double episode, uh, I'll bring it back and uh, talk about your answers. How about that for a little audience participation enticement? That's what that is. So, I will say, 
as I do from time to time. Love you, dearies. I'm a fool to do your dirty working, working, working. And we're back. We are back. We are back. We are back. We are back. 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 We are back. Back in action. Hello again. Well, that was a seven and a half hour workday because I got to leave a half hour early because, well, A, the boss man, nice, uh, two, the reason that I asked for niceness is because the missus is back home from her trip on a cruise down south. On that note, it is minus 11 degrees Celsius. Ha ha ha, welcome back. So I wanted to uh, leave a little early if I could to surprise her with my very presence. Unfortunately, not with my presence, because <laughs> what I did was uh, I did get her something while she was away, but uh, it was supposed to be delivered today. It was not, so unfortunately I'm going home empty-handed. Fortunately, uh, she wasn't expecting to go on vacation and come back and get a present, because that's stupid, and I'm an idiot, but give you a little piece of relationship advice, and that is unexpected gifts. <laughs> Tip number one. Okay, so all of that said has nothing to do with movies. What does have to do with movies is movie the third, called Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. <laughs> Scary. Actually, you know what? On the note of scary, this is not actually factually a scary movie, but I think potentially this is where we can kind of see that these movies are taking a slightly darker turn, which uh, is good. Because, well, I'm an adult. <laughs> and despite the fact that I'm a very immature adult and like cartoons and kid things, uh, sometimes things aimed at kids, like Maybe the first two movies are less entertaining to me uh, than things aimed at a adults. Okay? Okay. So this movie starts out where Harry has had enough with his goddamn adoptive parents. How dare they take him in and feed him and clothe him for these 14-some-odd years. The bastards. Now, they are pretty bastardy, so he decides to uh, run away from home. This is, of course, during the summer, because uh, during the not-summer, he's at school. Hogwarts. Hmm. He starts uh, hearing about this Cyrus Black character, who is a prisoner, a recently escaped prisoner from the prison of Azkaban. Uh, he believes, and others believe, somehow, some way, I don't remember that uh, this dude is after Harry Potter and is going to come and try to kill him. Oh, no. So there's a bunch of Dementors hanging around him and the school in order to protect him. Now, I don't know about you. I don't know about you. But uh, when I am being protected, I do not want the <laughs> protectors to be known as Dementors. Seems unsafe. Turns out it they are, in fact, um, unsafe as protectors. Uh, there's a point in this where Hagrid... Oh, uh, shit. Well, I didn't write down any actor's names, just period. But the, the actor who, who portrays Hagrid is actually factually a very good actor. And uh, 
may not recognize him under all the hair, but uh, he's he's a good actor. He's teaching this year, teaching about uh, mystical, magical animals, which uh, is something I've always had a fascination about. Of course, in my case, it is a fascination with these unreal and made-up animals with... In the case of Harry Potter, it's a fascination of the actual real animals because they exist. Animals such as the Hippogriff, which Harry Potter manages to befriend. I think this may be, and maybe I'll give you a little behind-the-scenes action. I have yet, I have not yet, rather, watched uh, the very last movie of the Harry Potter franchise. Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2. I've watched uh, part one, uh, and I did enjoy part one. Anyways, what I was about to say is that I think this may be my favorite one, possibly. It's not quite as dark and adult-themed as the later ones, which I tend to enjoy more, but this has an element that makes, for me, a fantasy lover is just a brilliant idea, and that is the introduction of time travel. Yes. Uh, this, the whole first half of this movie, you could ignore a lot of it as far as I'm concerned. It's once the time travel starts happening that uh, I really like. And having to sort of wrap your brain around time travel and paradoxes and, and things of that nature. Uh, Hermione has been using this time travel in order to... <laughs> and what a goddamn waste. In order to take more uh, school subjects than would be humanly possible, so in order for her to take extra subjects, uh, <laughs> she uses this time travel potion. Was it a potion? Potion or, or some such. Anyways, this time travel magic, which once, uh, and I'm not going to go into it too much for the reason that I don't have to spoil movies, easy for me not to spoil, especially when I don't actually remember too clearly what happened in the movies, but uh, she uses this time travel magic in order to basically save the day, the day which went horribly, horribly awry, where a great number of people um, died, basically. And that's one of the sort of interesting things of introducing time travel to, well, anything, but is you can have your story just go horribly, horribly, every single good guy within it dies. I'm not saying that's what happened. I'm saying you could do that. And then your mind is just boggled at some of the uh, events that took place that you would never think they would happen in a million years. And then snap your fingers and basically... It, undo all of that. Now, potentially, it's a little, um, what's the word, it's a little easy for the writer to get around things they have done, but, uh, you know what, it's hard as well, I would say, because they gotta pay attention to paradoxes and things like that, so, I don't know, best of, uh, it combines easy and hard, which, uh, you know, is potentially a very, very good thing, like a uh, easy girl and a hard cock, just as a, for an example. So that one, higher on my scale, uh, which I've already done rating, so I'll 
pretend I didn't say that. Let's move on to movie the fourth, Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. For me, any goblet filled with uh, grapefruit juice. That's whew, Goblet of Fire, let me tell you. Immediate heartburn. I can just smell that grapefruit juice and it sets my heartburn aflutter. That is, of course, a metaphorical heart burn fire. Huh? This is an actual factual goblet of fire, which is awarded to whoever wins the Tri-Wizard Tournament. Uh, I like this one as well, actually. I like uh, groups of separate individuals, separate groups, having to come together in order to compete in challenges. It had sort of a running man feel to it, a little bit. Little uh, Thunderdome, three, sorry, four people enter, one man win, that sort of idea. Any, any challenges and competitions like that, especially in a fantasy setting, it's going to be up my alley. It's going to be up my alley. Further up my alleyness comes in the form of goddamn theme attendance. David Tennant, who, if you are unfamiliar, is Doctor Who, or one of Doctor Who's, one of a Doctor Who's. Uh, I think still, yeah, I think I could say, although I love Matt Smith, I think uh, David Tennant was my favorite Doctor Who. S still, despite all, all the love that uh, Matt Smith generated within me, uh, I think David Tennant still is going to take the number one spot for my favorite Doctor Who. So it was nice to see him in this. Uh, odd to see him, though, for the reason he is bad. He is a bad guy. And to see a Doctor Who play the role of a bad guy, which, you know what, now that I think about it, on a movie Monday not too, too long ago, like within the last couple of months, I brought back, uh, what the hell was it, 28 Days Later, and the hell is his name? I'm having a brain fart on my Doctor Who actor names. Uh, bu -bu -bu -bu. The first Doctor Who that I started watching with short hair, leather jackets. Oh, uh, you know what I'll do? His name is Christopher Eccleson. And then see what I did there was, uh, slipped in myself saying his name and and used my amazing editing skills so you couldn't tell that I actually added it in later. Yep, pretty impressive. Probably should edit out the whole part where I admitted I just did that. But see, that's the thing about being under a timeline of having to finish by the time I get home. I can't sit and think of names. And it's the name curse, the dreaded name curse, where a gypsy woman cursed me with the inability to remember names or quite often even write them down. That name curse, you know the one. The, okay, back to the Goblet of Fire, the Tri-Wizard Tournament turned into a quadruple-level wizard tournament for the reason that Harry Potter, somehow, some way, was entered into the tournament, despite the fact that it was supposed to be only for people 17 years of age and older. So there's a little shady business going on there. Things that these wizards have to face in the tournament range from uh, a dragon, a goddamn dragon. In fact, they started off with a dragon. 
Which, don't you end with the dragon? No, the challenge number one, a dragon. That's ballsy. Uh, some mermaids. Yeah, mermaids. They were kind of not the sexy type. They were the scary-to-behold type, so if such a type exists, I apparently does. And lastly, a maze that can change you. And not for the better, as you can imagine, because these are challenges, not making easiers. Turns out that uh, Harry was in this tournament mysteriously, because whoever won it would then be transported to a cemetery where the guy who should not be named, Voldemort, would then take some of his blood and be basically reborn onto the globe. Yeah, uh, this is the first one in which Voldemort is back in sort of the form you probably, even if you haven't seen this movie, you've seen him, sort of no-nosed face guy. Uh, yeah, this is the first time he's back in action. He's kind of been working behind the scenes so far, I guess you could say. So just for that reason, it's nice to have a, a face to really focus our hate on. There's a sort of miraculous escape from Harry Potter at the end, as you do. And uh, even a death of uh, a fairly main character of this movie. So, you know, you got some action going. Some action going as well as brewing. That's uh, probably what a lot of the Harry Potter movies seem to consist of. And that's brewing towards a conclusion. And, uh, and I do like that fact. Uh, the brew is perhaps a little slow at two and a half freaking hours each movie, but a brew nonetheless. So something that amuses me about this is that uh, Voldemort's big problem always is that his magic and Harry's kind of don't mix. He can't kill him using magical means, blah, blah, blah. He's protected by magic. Buy a gun. Voldemort. Why doesn't he just get a gun? I'm sure he, he's he got magic. He could say, hey, gun gun seller. I'm not, I don't have to wait the, the three business days to get this gun. Ooh, Abraca gun! And then just shoot Harry Potter in the head. Why, why is that not an option? Anyways, I suppose that will be the end of our talk here. Huh? Oh, a final note is that uh, the actor, again, fuck, didn't write him down, who plays Mad Eye Moody in this. Uh, you know what? On the same level, sort of a very, very good actor as the, the guy who does Hagrid as well. Uh, both British actors who I have enjoyed in a lot of things. And you know what? I think they've both done a lot of like, gangstery British mobster type things, if I do recall. So they don't skimp on the actors, which I enjoy. Uh, you know what? Harry Potter and Ron Weasley, uh, their acting is, is good, but it's not sort of blowing me out of the water. Hermione, uh, what the hell's her name? Uh, can't remember her actual name. She's really good, and uh, I remember talking about her in the movie The Bling Ring on a movie money not crazy a long time ago, that she was really good in that. And my sort of prediction that she will be one of those actresses that uh, we will see for many, many years to come. That, that sort of idea. So, you know, 
just throwing shit out there because that is what this podcast is. Me, with my shit, and then throwing it in a vocal sort of way into your ears. Your ears are filled with my shit. Oh, baby. My ears are filled with your shit. I can't believe we're going to end the podcast on that note, but that is just goddamn well what's going to happen. I will say, at least, to cleanse your ear palate a little bit, that it is nice to be nice to the nice. Thank you for listening. We here in the Liberal Cube would love to hear from you. If for any reason you would like to contact us, you can do so via the email address, mailwood.jordan at gmail.com. And now I have a theory. I've got a theory that it's a demon, a dancing demon. Something isn't right there. I've got a theory. The best is yet to come, and babe, won't it be fine? You think you've seen the sun, but you ain't seen it shine. Wait till the warm-up's underway. Wait till our lips have met. Wait till you see that sunshine day. You ain't seen nothing yet. The best is yet to come and be. Won't it be fine? The best is yet to come, come the day you're mine. Live long and prosper.